When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining me. Awesome show planned for you today. I'm going to admit uh, today's show is going to be a, a bit more organic, and I may even surprise uh, uh, my, the group of guys helping me to put the show together every day. I can't say that I'm going to follow uh, the script uh, <laughs> that we laid out this morning because I'm a bit frustrated and I'm a bit, um, maybe a bit too transparent. So I'm, I'm gonna share with the audience uh, what's driving me today and what my thinking is today and, and a little bit about what's going on with the show. And, and I think I'm gonna be able to work the themes that I wanna talk about uh, today into my overall frustration. And it's not with anybody I work with, it's not certainly with the audience. It's a little bit piggybacking off of what I talked about yesterday in terms of like, just being real. The, the, the headwinds that uh, are being directed our way, my way, the fearless way, uh, has me pretty frustrated. We are doing our best work right now. We're more involved in the conversation, more relevant uh, than at any time uh, during the history of this show. I'm not sure, uh, you know, I've, I've had, eh, it's tough for me to judge it based off of my career. I mean, you know, in 2007, 2008, I don't know if you can be any more relevant than what I was as a sports writer and then at other points in my career when I was, you know, at ESPN or Fox Sports and involved in content. I've been involved in so many different things. But here in the last six months, last all, throughout all of football season, man, we've just been on topics and we've been the only ones on topics and we've been out ahead of everybody else as it relates to Deion Sanders and so many different things. And, that we're clearly blazing a trail and a path and, and leading a discussion that's necessary in the sports world and in the world at large. And, and obviously the people, the forces lined against me, us, and this show are aware of that and want to do everything they can to uh, prevent that, to stop that from to diminish our reach and to try to silence our messaging. And that's why I started off yesterday's show with, hey guys, you gotta help me fight these algorithms because, you know, from my social media feeds to every platform I'm on, you know, the gatekeepers, the overseers, the people in control of the media, the people in control of the zeitgeist. And, and I know that sounds uh, narcissistic and self-important and perhaps arrogant. But it's true. They're trying to stop the fearless movement. They're trying to stop me. And I, I've, I've, they've been trying to stop me for a long time. I've been at this and fighting and wrestling with this group of gatekeepers, the, the, the people that uh, certainly seem determined to keep black people in particular thinking a certain way, behaving a certain way. This is all the headwinds I got in 2013, 14, 15, when you know I was hired back at ESPN to run the undefeated. It was all about controlling black people's thoughts. 
That, that's all that was about. They were not going to allow me to lead the undefeated and to have the undefeated do real journalism. That is not allowed. Real journalism isn't allowed. And it's, 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 it's a death penalty for black journalists. We're not allowed to do journalism. We're only allowed to uh, shuck jive, be performers, entertainers, not thought leaders. We're allowed to react to what they want us to talk about, period, end of story. And at The Undefeated, I wanted to do uh, a more journalistic version of what I'm doing now. We want to be thought leaders. We want to tell people, no, this is what you should be discussing and talking about. The gatekeepers, the overseers, the, the people in control. Not going to happen. We're, we're not having that. And that's the headwind uh, we're facing now. And so t today, I'm going to try to uh, stay on that topic and theme. Oh, I'm not going to try. I'm going to stay on that topic and theme. But I I'm going to bring up a couple of just examples of, of what it is I'm talking about and try to get you all to understand. Many of you already do understand, but I want you to understand why it's important. These things that I'm asking for, the figuring out, taking the time, even if it takes a little time, you can't figure, hey, how can I hit that five-star rating on Apple? It's not easy. Take the time, figure it out. Write a review. Take the time, figure it out. It's important. Hit the subscription. Hit the likes on this video. It's important because trust me, they're trying to stop this show from reaching a wider and wider audience. Part of that, I think, is because we're in an election year and the, the left, the gatekeepers, the people that control uh, black people's thoughts. And, and it's not just about controlling black people because they use the control of black people to silence and control everybody else. If, if a black person thinks the wrong thing, they're a sellout on Uncle Tom. They're not really black. Joe Biden's told you that. Everybody's told you that. And then if a white Christian supports the wrong thing, well, they're a racist. Uh, they only like certain kinds of black people. They, 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 they use the control of black people to control black people and control everybody else as well. And so I'm going to start out today's show with just something light. And, I, and listen, we've had people on the show, oh, you should talk about things more important than sports. No, I shouldn't. I, I need to talk about what I know about and, and show you how in the sports world, all these examples of what they're doing to the rest of the culture, the rest of the entertainment industry, the, the, the rest of the media structure. You can see it all right through the sports lane. So I'm going to start with a daily dose of Stephen A. Smith a topic we've been hammering uh, for a while. And I, and I want to show you how in order to have the reach, in order to have the algorithms, in order to have the system back you, what you must be willing to do as a black media person. And it's what I'm unwilling to do. And it's what many of you are unwilling to do. But the thing I keep asking you every day on this show is, what is it that you are willing to do? Are you willing to do a little more, push a little harder, so that we can continue to have growth and, and not be silenced by the gatekeepers? And so <clears throat> I want to play you. Bobby Burak at OutKick covers the media. Uh, Bobby's a good young man, good journalist. You know, he points out a lot of the hypocrisies and uh, contradictions uh, in, the media, in the media. And, and this week or yesterday, he wrote a story about uh, Stephen A. Smith and how Stephen A. Smith seemingly had two different reactions within a span of a week, 10 days to Joel, Emb Joel Embiid, the Philadelphia 76ers center, Scoring 70 points, Joel Embiid, black dude, maybe he's from Cameroon. I can't remember where Joel Embiid's from. He played a year of college basketball at Kansas. Uh, he's a great player. Scores 70 points for the 76ers. Uh, 
And then Luka Doncic, white guy from maybe Serbia, you know, one of these Eastern European countries or whatever, uh, he scores 73 points and, and Stephen A trashes Luka Doncic's performance or, you know, says the Atlanta Hawks played no defense and it's embarrassment. But when Joel Embiid, black guy, scores 70, it's one of the great performances. Let, let, let's just contrast these two comments from Stephen A. Smith about Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic. Let's play Joel Embiid first. But I will tell you this. We're talking about Embiid right now, 30 points or more in 21 consecutive games. And yet the Philadelphia 76ers, winners of six straight, are still four games out of first place. So what this says to me, when I did the message that Embiid sent to the rest of the NBA, this brother is phenomenal, arguably the best big man in the game. Obviously, Jokic always warrants our consideration. But the message he sent is that he's going for the championship. He's not trying to mess around. He already got the league MVP. I think that's the message he's trying to send. My point is, Shannon, that's the message he needs to send because how he's playing is what's going to be required in order for him to pull this off as the Sixers are presently constructed. That's the message that I received from him. He knows this is what it's going to take, and he's willing to do it. So everybody beware because he already got the chip. He ain't worried about no 65 games and, you know, whether you qualify for the league MVP award. This brother is coming for the chip. He wants it bad. Let's see what he does come postseason time. So that's Stephen A. Smith talking about Joel Embiid. Luka Doncic has been in the league five, six years and, uh, you know, playing for the Dallas Mavericks. I would think he'd won a championship, too. But he scores 73 points, and it provokes this from Stephen A. Smith. The Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, no wonder why y'all stink. Did you see how they played defense last night? I mean, this is not, this is not Joel Embiid who played Billy Ball because you know what? You have a thin Victor Wimbignano on you. We understand that. We expect that. This is not a situation where Carl Anthony Towns dropped 58 in the first three quarters and then disappeared. It was an APB out for him in the fourth quarter and all of this other stuff. But the 58 points he scored in those first three quarters, a lot of those points, he was being challenged. This is not that. What transpired last night in Atlanta was disgraceful. It made me feel like, I, I mean, let's just go out and get somebody that don't want You don't have to play defense? All you got to do is play offense. You don't have to play defense. That's what the hell took place in Atlanta last night. There's a difference. Don't tell me anybody wants that. No, you don't want to change it and go back to old times. But in the same breath, you don't mean for it to resemble the first three quarters at NBA All-Star Weekend, no, which is what last night looked like in Atlanta, Georgia. The Hawks, you should be ashamed of your damn self. You really should. So anybody that's paid attention to the NBA knows that what Luka Doncic did and how the Atlanta Hawks played, that's par for the course in this new NBA. All the rules have been doctored and changed. The players all make so much money. There's so much load management. The, 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 the paint has been opened up in a way to promote people driving to the lane uncontested. And yet many regular season NBA games look like a competitive all-star game. They look like what NBA all-star games used to look like in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. Kind of some Olay defense and you can get to the rim very easily. Everybody knows this is widespread and rampant throughout the NBA. For Stephen A to sing, uh, single out this Atlanta Hawks game and Luka Doncic and, and, and how, you know, the Hawks played Ole defense, and, but, but Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid, they were phenomenal. They were, you know, playing great ball and they were being content. It, it's a joke. And it's for, it can only, Stephen A's uh, contradictory messages here can only be defined and described in, in one way, accurately, racist. He, he's got a racist double standard, and, and many people in the league, because the NBA is a black-dominated league, they share that view. We saw it, and, and I, I, I want to be careful because, you know, to some, I like and respect Kendrick Perkins, 
But, but last year, Nikola Jokic won the NBA championship and should have won his third straight MVP award. But Kendrick Perkins jumped in and played the race card on MVP voters. And basically, you know, if you guys remember last year, he, he, he basically said that voters or people were favoring Nikola Jokic because he's white and that put everybody in check. And the next thing you know, Joel Embiid won the MVP when everybody pretty much knows Jokic was the most valuable player and the Nuggets went on to win the championship and the Philadelphia 76ers bowed out as they have done throughout Joel Embiid's stay in Philly. There's this racism that is required, anti-white racism that is required in the sports media world for widespread success and acceptance. The message is being pushed out very clearly. The matrix, the internet, that's what it rewards. Anti-white racism. They have designed a system for systemic racism. They've done that. And I'll be called an Uncle Tom and a coon for pointing it out. What I will not be called is a liar. I will not be called a liar because I've been consistent throughout my entire 30 year career as a journalist. I think it's now 34 years. Uh, and I think if you examine, remove the first 12 years of my life, 44 years just as a human being, I've always been against racism. When the system was tilted and, and favored white guys and, and discriminated against black guys, I complained then. Now that the system is tilted and, and is tilted against white guys, I still don't like racism, so I complain now. But since I'm off script and since the system has been designed to punish anybody that challenges the anti-white narrative that is pervasive throughout the American media, and, and, and I don't want white guys uh, running around putting themselves on a victim cross don't do it because the reality is this assault, this unfairness that the system has legalized, it's really not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Because that's why they've defined Christianity as the white man's religion. That's a lie. It's not true. Any serious Christian knows that. But they have defined Christianity and fairness and truth as something white. And so they demonize everything white, everything masculine, everything that, that celebrates or promotes male leadership. They demonize that all as evil. And, and racial idolaters like Stephen A. Smith and many of the uh, black people in the media who are just, and, and I can't even say, I don't even know if they're idolaters. They just want the check. And so they see which way the wind is blowing. Well, you get money for promoting anti-white racism. I want money. I'll do it. I won't do it. The fearless move. We're not about that. We're about a set of values. And those values are being punished. And that's why I'm sitting here telling you how frustrated I am. But I don't want anybody uh, to feel sorry for me or us or this show. We, I have moments of frustration, but I'm not a victim because the actual headwinds and persecutions, when I really think about it, when, when I pray at night or in the morning or later today during our prayer call, it, it, it actually when I think it through, when I get past my frustration, it actually makes me feel good. Again, it, it, it's in one of those deals where if you've ever done a tough workout and you've suffered the pain of a tough workout, 
there is a tiny bit of satisfaction that you know like, man, this is gonna benefit me down the road. It's painful, it, it, you, sit, you might complain about it, but you know it's going to benefit you down the road. That's where we're at right now in the fearless movement. There's some pain, there's discomfort, it's frustrating. It makes you walk a little funny. It makes it tough to sleep at night. You're tossing and turning, you're thinking, but in your heart of hearts as a mature person, you know this pain is an indication that you're doing the right thing. And so I feel very confident that we're doing the right thing. That we're put, I hear from you all, I hear from other people, I, 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 I see the results, I know what we're doing, the topics we're covering, they're the right thing. We're getting punished for it. And, and you know, we're getting, and, you know, a lot of conservatives, everybody talks about being shadow banned, and, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. But I haven't in my career, and in the time, I've been on social media since 2009, the level of pushback against me and what I'm doing, it's never been stronger than it is right now. And, and, it, it, and that includes like 2013, 14, when, when people at Deadspin were incentivized to destroy my character and wrote vicious pieces and they used social media to, to rig up the system to portray me in a certain way. And so I've faced stiff headwinds like this before. But this does seem to be on a different level, and it does, it's happening at a time like when I'm prolifically put, putting out work, we're putting out work that's right on target, done at a high level. I'm looking at uh, the conversation we had yesterday, the column I wrote yesterday, trying to explain to people like, hey man, cut this Taylor Swift stuff out. It's going to backfire. It's not the right, it's not, I didn't argue yesterday that like, hey, Taylor Swift's this great person and blah, blah, blah. My argument is like, no, you're picking the wrong fight. They're gonna use this Super Bowl thing to discredit you. They're going to use the Super Bowl thing to say, look, you're crazy. All these people you've been saying for the last four to six to eight years have Trump derangement syndrome. Look at your Taylor derangement syndrome. You're just as bad. That's what I was trying to point out, and it's the right message. And everybody's talking about Taylor Swift, and I'm trying to explain to people, like, be careful here, we're in a game of chess, you know, and I'm not saying Vivek's not a great chess player, because I think that he is. I'm not saying that Jack Posebiak isn't a great chess player, because I think that he is. But you can make mistakes in chess. I, I love to play chess. I make mistakes all the time. And, and in these waters, when it comes to sports media and all of that, I can see it because I've been in this fight my entire career. I'm a bit frustrated. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm asking specifically for you all to help me and to help us. And they're just small little things. The sponsors, you guys do a great job of supporting our sponsors, do a better job. You guys do a great job of making sure you tap that like button, make sure you're giving that five-star rate, do a better job. I I'm going to dig in. We're going to dig in here and do a better job. Because we have to, because these head, when we're in an election year, the, 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 their entire Satans, when I say Satan, the, the people that don't believe Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, they're desperate right now. They're panicked right now. The last thing they want is a group of Jesus Christ believing men to ignore all these superficial differences that they use to pit us against each, each other. They don't want anybody or anything that can bring believers together in a common cause to protect the values that made this country great, to protect the values that serve your children and grandchildren. 
They don't want men putting those differences aside, the, the skin color differences and all this other little petty stuff they got us caught up in. The, the, the whole little game they're playing, black Christian versus white Christian, black versus white, it's all a game. We can't give into it. And I know it's difficult. I know how much we've all been programmed to talk about things from a white black perspective rather than from a fairness and unfairness perspective. And I know that it's, it's, it's tough to, to recognize and accept like, man, America has set up a system of rewards for people who will disavow this nation's founding principles, who will blame white Christians for everything that's wrong in their life, for people that will go on platforms and lie and distort and smear. They've set up a system of rewards for that. And the people that tell the truth, they've set up a system to punish them. That's what, when you've lived my life and my career, when I started out, the values that I defend here on this show, the objectivity, the, the search for truth, the willingness to stand on truth regardless of the consequences, all of that stuff used to be rewarded. Now it's all punished. I'm First 20 years of my career, I would say, yeah, first 20 years of my, all of that was rewarded. Again, there was definitely blowback and heat, but the system rewarded that. Now, they rewarded people for lying as well. But there was a group that were like, man, we actually need the truth and, and we value it to some degree. And so there's a system of rewards for what Whitlock does, that object, objectivity and fairness. Now, there's nothing but punishment speaks to how desperate they are, and that's why we can't give up, because they know something. They know that this may be their last best chance. There's a level of desperation here that says they know if they don't strike right now, it may be over for them. And so we need to stay the course and continue to fight. And that's why I want to I segue into a conversation about Ilhan Omar probably a little bit of a surprising topic for, for you all, but it's fascinating what's going on with Ilhan Omar. She's the squad member, the congresswoman from Minnesota. Uh, she was caught on tape, or someone has played a tape of her, I think, speaking in Somalian, or whatever, I don't, I don't know, do Somalians, is that what they speak? She's from Somalia, do they speak Somalian, I would think? I don't know, never been to Somalia, uh, but they, they translated it. And we have a congresswoman telling people that she answers to the Somalian president that she serves Somalia first. And you wonder why I'm America first? We have an American congresswoman on tape speaking to people talking about her loyalty and priorities are for another country. Let's play the tape. And uh, uh, Minnesota <laughs> Gabadi Congress are Udir Satan, where Idinka were Hesa, see that Idinka Udreme seen, Dantas Udreme. 
This is what I call diversity, equity, and Ilhan. Because I don't want people to uh, single out Ilhan Omar. She just laid bare what the entire diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda is. And anybody caught up in it. And I get, people have all these rationalizations and all this, well, you know, it has good intentions and it's this. No, it doesn't. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is exactly what you just saw from Ilhan Omar. She's here to disrupt America. She's here to serve a foreign interest. She's here to uproot the Constitution and the freedoms that Americans, that have served America for more than 200 years. She's not alone. Anybody in Congress that knows her, that isn't calling for her to be deported, kicked out of Congress and kicked out of this country, that is a person who should not be trusted. Diversity, equity, and inclusion convinces you and convinces people like, oh, inclusion means we have to tolerate and make room for people who hate America. Who does that? Who, who does that? So let's say you're sitting in your home or an apartment. And so, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion means the homeless person or the next door neighbor who hates your guts. In order for you to be inclusive, you have to invite them into your home. You have to let them live and have say so over what goes on in your home. Inclusion means tolerance of things that want to destroy you in their mind. This is diversity, equity, and Ilhan, diversity, equity, and insurrection. This is what an insurrection looks like. When you have to invite your enemies, when you have to make room for people who want to serve another country, when you have to let them become a lawmaker and you have to be good with it or you're racist. This is the America they're building. I don't recognize it. I don't respect it. I don't. Call me an old man, because I am, but, but I, I'm just like, my, my head is on fire. It's like, how did we get here? That a member of Congress would be comfortable giving that speech and that the American media would mostly ignore it, that politicians wouldn't be heads on fire shouting at the top of their lungs, Arrest that woman and get her the hell up out of this country. But this is diversity, equity, and Ilhan. This entire movement is about destroying America and its founding principles. And, and people like me that are like, no, 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 these founding principles, I like this Constitution. It's worked. It's cleaned up a lot of messes. It's granted me freedom. It's granted me opportunity. It's, it's created a place on earth that's the safest and most opportunity rich for black people anywhere on the planet. I'm supposed to be embarrassed for defending it? But that's the game they've played on you. They, they've made you think, Inclusion means tolerance of values and mindsets and attitudes and actions that are intended to destroy you. 
No. This is why, as men, we need, as American men, we need to quit apologizing and put our foot down. And so, no, I, I don't want to be that kind of inclusive. I don't want Elon Omar anywhere making any laws, having any influence over American laws. I don't want her in the country. And, and anybody that believes in what she's talking about, I don't want them in the country. And, and the lower are the Ilhan Lights, the Cory Bushes, and everybody else that's just a, a, a Ilhan Light. They need to go too. All the people that have decided that they're smarter than the founding documents, and, 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 and that all the founders are horrible and, and this whole thing needs to be turned on its head. They're idiots and we don't have to tolerate them. Inclusion doesn't mean, well, uh, the very idiots who have built nothing, we have to be tolerant of them. Though, I'm not even saying I built anything. I'm appreciative of what was built. That's all I am. And if, if you don't have any appreciation for what was built here in this country, I don't think you're very bright. I think you've been caught up in some false narratives. I think you've been programmed and brainwashed and influenced into believing things that do not serve your best interest. It's a fad. I, I believe your gratitude has been removed. I believe you have a misunderstanding of the Bible and Christianity. If, if, if you're in this country and then look around the world and you're not filled with a spirit of gratitude you're doing life wrong. I, and, and I'll say, let's say you're sitting in prison right now and you're listening to this. You can be in prison in some other places that ain't, and, and I know our prisons are horrible, but it could be worse. And, and you wouldn't have a right to an attorney. You wouldn't have some public defender Will, or some great lawyer willing to take you on pro bono. It, it can be worse, and it is worse, a lot of places. And that doesn't mean America is perfect and not in need of tweaking and not in need of, but, but I, I, the entire system, the internet has rigged a system for destruction of America and American values. And we sit here as the fearless army and we have to recognize we're operating in a system that's designed to destroy us. What are we willing to do to push back? Uh, that's my question for today. Uh, that's what I wanted to get off my chest uh, today. Um, we're going to bring on uh, Anthony and Virgil because uh, six people here in Nashville were convicted uh, for protesting at a uh, abortion clinic and, and they were convicted yesterday and they face up to 10 and a half years in federal prison. There's some law called FACE F-A-C-E, freedom, of, uh, let me, hold on before I go, let me make sure I call this right and set up this conversation right, but I want to get Anthony and Virgil's, because th these laws have been on the book, uh, Face Act, Nashville, these laws have been on the book since 1994, and I, I, I just, yeah, 
Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. Uh, it's been on the books since President Bill Clinton in 1994. Uh, these people were charged with this crime in 2021, uh, convicted yesterday. Obviously, you guys know about our relationship with preborn and where we stand on abortions. I want to have a conversation. Virgil has protested at abortion clinics uh, previously. So I, I just want to get their thoughts on, as Christians, you know, we're, I believe, commanded to follow the laws that our government sets up. Uh, but what's the line in terms of our government is bending over backwards and has been since 1994, it's that 30 years, uh, to make sure that everybody has access to go in and uh, kill a baby without anyone praying for them or singing uh, spiritual songs or blocking an entrance. These people face 10 and a half years in prison. We watch people uh, in the name of George Floyd block entrances to facilities, burn down buildings, and I'm not aware of any of these guys facing 10 and a half years in prison, but we'll talk with Anthony and Virgil about it next on Tennessee Harmony. Stay tuned. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. <clears throat> Time for some Tennessee Harmony. Uh, Virgil and Anthony are here. Uh, Anthony, if you could get us started with a prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings. Father, bless uh, this conversation that we have about uh, such a serious matter. Help us to bring to it grace and truth. Uh, and we thank you for those that are watching. We pray that they are edified by our discussion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, as I said before you guys came on air, uh, six people right here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, convicted yesterday for violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. Uh, this bill or this law was put into action in 1994. You can't disrupt basically the ongoings, the comings and goings at an abortion clinic. And so laws have been on the book. But as believers, you know, I think we're commanded. I feel like we're commanded to follow the laws of our country. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're also <laughs> commanded to protect the unborn or children in the womb. And, and so what, what, what we'll just start here with just a vague or general question. Anthony, when you read this story about these six individuals, uh, what, what are the first thoughts that went through your mind? So initially, there's two departments of this, two, two factions of this. One, you have whether the law is a good law or not. Uh, and the, the, the thing that I use to determine whether a law is good or not, a good law protects freedoms. A bad law tends to try to give freedoms. God has already given freedom. So when you, tr when you set up a law that tries to, hey, we want to give a freedom oh, to this that, or man. that, yeah, yeah, a good law... Uh, where did you come up? Where did you come up with that? Or where, where? Just looking at, at laws. <laughs> there's there's thinking about it, looking it up, man. Huh. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. So that's that's the first thing we, we can obviously see. This is a law that's trying to give more access to 
uh, abortion clinics. But the second side of this is the point that you bring up, which is obeying the laws of the land. Uh, yes, we are commanded to uh, obey the laws of the land. Paul tells us in uh, Romans that we've got to follow the laws. Uh, he tells us again, Peter tells us in first Peter uh, to be good citizens. But here's a good point that scripture indicates in Acts chapter five. There is a point where obeying the laws of the land can interact with and interfere with obeying what God says. And Peter tells us in Acts five and twenty nine, we must obey God rather than man. So whenever we are faced with that crossroads of, OK, what do we do? I got to obey God. Now, you also have to take into account that making that stance will cost you. Now, to the Christian, we already know obeying Christ. We're already making sacrifices. We're already going to have to pay some cost. So that's going to come with it. The problem is that sometimes we're not really there to follow it all the way through. You know, if it means I'm going to lose my job, then I'm not going to do it. If it means I'm going to lose friends, if it means I'm going to be locked up, I'll stop. But if you're really committed to obeying God, you already count that in the cost. We could be arrested for this. We could be sentenced to jail. It's a bad law. But hey, I'm going to do it because I'm obeying God. No different than people during the times of slavery that disobeyed the laws and faced the consequences for that. Sure. We call those people heroes. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think what these guys are doing are pretty heroic. But Virgil, I know you've done some of this. What, what were your thoughts? No, I'm with you. I'm very sensitive to hearing stories like this because I've spent a number of years engaged in this very kind of thing at abortion mills. And so, you know, for, for a good por portion of, uh, of of my Christian walk back in the day, I, I would spend, you know, a Saturday uh, a week uh, early on and then and then would, would d dedicate more, you know, one Saturday a month in front of an abortion mill. I did that in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, at the abortion mill there, and so I totally get it. I, I think initially when I when I went there, I would I would make sure that I a knew what the laws were, uh, b uh, did my best to follow those laws, uh, and c ensure that while I was there, uh, I was not only engaging in just simply help to save a baby uh, or to keep a mother from murdering her child, but but also to share the gospel because at the end of the day, the only thing that was going to heal the human heart is the message of the gospel. So I looked at it as an opportunity to bring the gospel into conflict with the culture. Um, uh, those who were <coughs> driving by needed to know that murders were happening in the building that I stood in front of. Uh, but those who were coming to murder their children needed to know uh, that Christ already paid a price for their sin and that they didn't need to cover up their sin by murdering their child. So those kinds of things were important. As it pertains to what what uh, what these folks are doing, I, I think I think Brother Anthony hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, he, he he nailed every facet of this issue that I thought through. A, is it a just law? Uh, B, uh, are if if you've made the decision that based upon your own conscience you were going to break what you knew was the law, then you would be willing to pay the price. And I think it it requires, unfortunately, in our day, it, it requires more Christians to step up, to take a stand, to examine the cost and be willing to pay those. Now, on the flip side of that, you can't be upset about what the government has decided to do and, and, and say, well, they, they didn't do the right thing or what have you. You've got you've to rejoice in the fact that you decided to be there and you have to rejoice in the fact that the that government decided to uphold the law and perhaps you'll be in prison. That is a part of counting the cost. Um, I think all of what you, of what they did should apply pressure to government for them to examine whether or not, you know, abortion is is a is just in our land and whether or not we should protect the least of, of these. Right. The, the young child in the womb. Uh, that's exactly what these people were doing. I don't fault them for what they were doing at all. Last thing I'll say about that, and, and I'll turn it back over, over to you guys, is my, my other concern is I wanted to know and, and it was difficult to determine whether or not these folks were connected to a, a local church. And the reason for that is oftentimes I've been in this environment where we uh, those who, who do this kind of ministry will just kind of decide one day, hey, I'm going to go do this and go down to the local abortion clinic. But they won't have the protection of 
of, of churches and of elders who are, who are examining what they're doing, who are challenging what they're doing when they get out of line. They need, they, they need the church, the local church, to be connected with them. Now, I don't know whether or not these people were or were not connected to a local church. Let's just assume the best that they were. That's critically important. Now, let me, somebody... let me add a little bit of information. Let me, sure. I think what I read, I think one of the people was from Nashville, but the rest were from around the country. Okay. And so maybe they were working with a local church here, but I don't think they were residents here. So go ahead and continue. No, I, 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 I appreciate that, that, that info. That, that, that kind of thing is important because often in this kind of environment uh, where people can you know, get notoriety if, if, you know, and, and get attention, uh, it, I think it's critically important that these people are connected to a local church to keep them accountable in these instances. So those are, those are kind of my, my general thoughts about, about it initially seeing uh, the story as it unfolded. Virgil, do you know anything about the law? And, and uh, you know, enacted in 1994, do, there is, as I sat and thought through it this morning and yesterday, it's like, I, I get why they have this law because people have targeted abortion clinics for bombings and other acts of violence. Yes. And, and so I, I get why they have this law. Do, do you have good law, bad law? Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, it was, it was, you're, you're spot on. In the 70s uh, and 80s, uh, Jason, there was, there was what's called the rescue movement. Uh, and what the rescue movement did was they did these very kinds of things. They would show up in mass and block the entrances to, do, to, to, to abortion clinics. There were some who were kind of, you know, uh, went out and did things that they shouldn't. There was violence perpetrated against these buildings and the like. And so folks thought that that was the right way to go about it. That's one of the reasons why I emphasize the importance of these people. Uh, if they're going to go out and do this, being connected to a local church to, to whom they can be accountable. Uh, we are we are a people of laws. Right. And, and, and as believers in Christ, we should uphold the laws as Anthony laid out. So when you do that kind of thing, it, it, it causes reactions. So what happened in the 90s was the, the, uh, the, the legislators and, and, and those who were, who were deciding about how to how to protect the w women who were wanting to have abortions decided that uh, that they needed legislation. So this is this is when uh, when when the, when this act, the, the FACE Act came into place, uh, the uh, freedom of access. Uh, to, to clinics and entrances came into place. And so I think it was I think it was done under under Bill Clinton. Uh, he signed off on mm -hmm. on the law and uh, and it was in place. And what it allowed to happen was it allowed uh, for the actions taken to be, be you know, federally enacted. In other words, you, you, this was this was not a misdemeanor anymore. Like a lot of times folks would interact with police. It'd be a misdemeanor. They go away. But now you're talking about felony and, and very serious charges at that. So again, counting the cost is incredibly important. I've been at abortion mills where you know folks would try to make claims that that you crossed the line, that you did something you weren't going to do. So it was imperative. I, I wore a I wore a camera on my chest uh, for the very purpose of protecting myself when I was out in those spaces, so that if someone made a claim that I did something, or uh, you know, or or someone perpetrated violence toward me, I had it on on camera, and and you could see what transpired. So, Anthony, what advice would you give your congregation or just fellow Christians? What are the one, two, three, four things we should be doing regularly to support our pro-life position? So it, it has to be well thought out. Um, if, you, if you're going to take the step towards uh, going to these abortion clinics and, and doing these types of things, you've got to think way beyond this moment. And sometimes when you are being led by the spirit and you're, you're being moved by your conscience, you say, OK, I got to do this. That's good. But we've got to also use the wisdom that God has given us to think it through. So have a plan of execution and think not just about that moment, because there's so many moments that come before and after. Uh, I've known those who have gone to abortion clinics who, yes, we're trying to prevent the abortions and we're trying to help and counsel. But then there are also those who are counseling those who just have had an abortion, who, man, because of what they're going through, because of the guilt, because of where they are in space, man, we've got to help you to, to get even better in your in your space. So it's a holistic thought, thinking it through, coming up with a plan 
as Virgil pointed out, if there are organizations making sure that they're tied with a church that has oversight over this, that has protections for you, uh, and obviously be prepared, you know, expect the best, but be prepared for it to go potentially to prison. Let me say this, too, about what's what's happening more recently with this FACE Act. It was initially obviously about blocking entrances, but now they're tacking on other dimensions to this to say, man, you are uh, causing harm to these people because they cannot express their freedom. And so they're tacking on other stuff on top of it. Even if you were, let's say you're at a particular boundary way beyond uh, the clinic limits and, and you just, hey, want to holler at them as they're pulling in. Well, now they'll say you are blocking the person behind them. Mm-hmm. So you may have more than one count of this versus just you having. The, so it's getting really they're getting very strategic. Mm-hmm. And as the scripture indicates us, we must be as crafty as serpents, but humble mm-hmm. as doves. So, mm-hmm. Virgil, part of me trying to be crafty is it's why I like preborn mm-hmm. and, and I like taking the proactive step of like, I'm supporting someone who's just trying to give a woman an access to an ultrasound mm-hmm. so that she's more informed about, no, that, that's a baby. Don't let them yes. trick you into thinking that's a clump right. of cells. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other thing I like about preborn, and this is not a commercial for preborn, but yes it is, is that they also provide support the first two years of that baby's life outside of the womb and so it's not just a hey had a baby and you're off on your own and so that's in you know that's why i love preborn i think it's a way but but what are other ways we can help fight this war that that we have about the sanctity of life no, no, I, I love I love what you're saying in this with preborn. Uh, Matt, love what, what what Anthony is saying as well. I think what I've learned in this process is that there are a variety of different things that people can do. Uh, I had you know I'd watched some videos. A dear friend of mine by the name of Tony Miano uh, and, and and a pastor here, one one of the deacons rather here uh, at the church that 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 I attend, Bobby McCreary. They go out regularly to the abortion meal. I was moved to go be at that front line. I wanted to be a, a, a voice uh, a, for the voiceless. I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to rescue uh, those who were being led to the slaughter. And so that was my motivation. But others, there, were, there are other people who want to do something, but don't feel compelled to be in that space. And I think it's important that we don't shame those folks, right? I think a lot of times when you're in the, in the heat of the things and you're on the front line, so to speak, the idea is, well, if, if everybody's not doing what I'm doing, then they're not doing anything. Uh, and the reality is that we need everybody to be doing something. I would have people who would never go to the clinic with me, but who knew that I was headed there, who would pray for me. That was, a, that was critically important. Uh, I had people at the church, that's why I say it's important to be connected with a local church, who would call me and say, if you ever find a young lady who's in need of housing, uh, maybe her boyfriend is is in a bad situation and, you know, she's in a bad situation and needs a place to stay. Call me. I had people who you know, if, if someone needs some money and, and we can do it in a discreet way and we find out and we vet everything. We, we did that uh, all the way up through and to Jason adoption. I had people on the phone, literally a phone call away from me that if I, so I would, I'm at the abortion. I can tell a young lady, don't go inside. There's someone who loves you and cares about you and wants to care for your baby, would love to would love to work with you to adopt your child. Let me give you a real choice rather than the one that you think you have to do, which is to murder your child in the womb. You don't have to do that today. So I could call out to them and then share with them the message of the gospel. But the whole reason that I was there was because Christ came, lived a perfect life and died a death. I could not I, I could not die on my own. Right. And pay for my own sins, but that they didn't have to cover up their sin by murdering their child, that this was an opportunity for them mm-hmm. to, to, to see God's hand in their lives. And so it was a wonderful way to do it. A lot of different people are part of that process. It requires everybody at every different phase uh, engaging and acting. And, and you know, if, if, if none of those things appeal, then man, a preborn is an option. There are other ways to do it. But I do believe all of us need to be engaged in this very important issue. Gentlemen, I, I don't I, I, only because 
Anthony's a sports fan, and so I'm putting a period on that conversation. I don't want anybody to get upset when I transition to a lighter bit of a conversation. I'm doing this mostly for Anthony's benefit because he's a big-time sports fan. Uh, Anthony, I, do, I want your thoughts as a sports fan and a little bit as a minister. What do you think about this Taylor Swift controversy? Oh, my goodness. It is it's overblown. Um, I think the NFL, right now because we're in such a trend space, the NFL is obviously going to lean into it. It's making them money, et cetera. Uh, but the fans are seeing through that. And so that's why it's such a turnoff because now I have to watch a football game and every time Kelsey makes a catch, every time the Chiefs do well, it is their story. They're this, that, and the other. And, I, I mean, if, if it's a genuine relationship, if, you know, celebrities, if it's genuine, if it's real, God bless, but I would hate for it to turn sour because then we've been duped into this all sports season long. Part of me says, and Virgil, I know you're a sports fan too, so chime in here. But part of me is like, hey man, for years, uh, I would see him pan into the stands and there'd be some fat guy like me with his shirt off going like, yeah. Yes. And I was like, I think I'd rather see Taylor Swift than me with my shirt off. Oh, come on, man. Come on. That was football. That's what you that's what you knew that to expect. When you pan through, you're gonna see all the cheese heads, you're gonna see the fat guy with his shirt off. That's the game. But this is like, okay, every time he catches, every if if they just score, it he doesn't even have to catch it. They pan up to her to see her smiling, to see her interacting. Uh, it's a little bit too much. Virgil. This is a, this is a psyop, man. This is an absolute psyop. It, it's a, it's it's a it's 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 gearing up for an election cycle when she, you know, she's her pop. Not that her popularity needed more of a boost, but in in front of those NFL fans now, she's in front of them and can you know when she begins to push her left wing agenda uh, on everybody, it'll be something that you know they've they've warmed up to her a little bit as they've watched her cheer for uh, for, for Kelsey and. Uh, and the Chiefs and all of that. I, I just, I think it's, I think it's an overblown psyop. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. We should ignore it, but I know we won't. Uh, it's the nature of, of where we are in the culture today. It's, it's a sad shame. It, 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 it emasculates the game of football. Absolutely emasculates the wow. game of football. I, I agree a little bit there. I don't think she's going to have any impact on the election. And I just, I think people have just made a mistake complaining about it. it it's who else? Who else? Who else? Would we, we, we do that with any other celebrity couple? Like, yeah. No. No. Yeah. It's it's only Taylor Swift. How many? How many? You've sports all your life. How many pro football players have dated actresses and all that? Then they have come to the game. Sometimes they just sit in the box. Anyway, it's just because it's Taylor Swift. Yeah. You know, how many Lakers games do I got to look at Jack Nicholson? That was he comes to every game. Completely <laughs> different sport and completely different arena. They don't do that with every other arena. I've been to sports games where there are celebrities that they don't do, they do that in L.A. because that's a part of L.A. They do it in Madison Square Garden, but they don't do it everywhere else. They're going to follow her wherever the game goes. This is it's just Taylor. It's not all these other celebrity couples. They're panning up there for Taylor because she has made them about a, what? Three billion, three hundred million dollars, I think. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, well, I know for a fact I'm not going to I'm not going to have a comment because I don't want to bait Virgil into, you know, Line, but uh, I shake it off, and Taylor Swift is on Virgil's playlist. Oh. <laughs> uh, he is a Swifty. I don't understand why he's hating on her like this. But, uh, anyway, I'm, we'll I'm, play some I'm, harmony. I'm not even gonna comment. Go ahead, Virgil. I, no, I, I've got oh, zero to say about that. All right, yeah, he's a Swifty. All right, uh, we'll play some harmony, and we'll see you tomorrow. So divided, stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for a downfall. God let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Harmony, let's make a simple vow. Let's come together now. 
us to tell us Cause together we're so much stronger. 